and welcome to episode 16 of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Man, 16 episodes, huh? That's, wow. It is March 20th in my timeline, and it's kind of hard for me to believe that like, I started recording in, what, September? October? Probably October. I don't know. Sometime around there. Man, 16 episodes. If you're just uh, listening for the first time, you're probably like, I don't fucking care. So I apologize for spending 20 seconds talking about 16 episodes. I'm still figuring out how to do interesting introductions with content that's relevant to people of all times and ages. What? What does that mean? Hello. Uh, welcome to episode 16 of the Trans Questioning Podcast. Um, I, first off, I'm just going to play you a little phone recording that I did uh, one night a little while ago. This is after I had my second laser hair removal session. And I was just feeling kind of shitty. So here's that. Hello, everybody. It is 1.08 a.m. on Friday, March 16th. I'm laying in bed. Uh, I should be sleeping, but I am not because... <laughs> Why would I sleep when I could be filling my brain with doubts? I've been um, holding back on recording a new episode because I've been really hard at work editing this Twin Peaks video, which should hopefully be out by the time that this episode goes up. It, it will. It will be up by the time this episode goes up. Uh, but I had my. Second laser hair removal appointment this past Wednesday. So it was yesterday for me because I haven't slept yet. So it's like when I sleep and wake up, it will actually be Friday. For me, it's still Thursday. <laughs> More of that fun time business. And it was, it was weirdly painful. Um, Language feels inadequate to really describe this sensation because I wouldn't call it painful in the uh, in the traditional sense. It's just sort of uncomfortable uh, consistently <laughs> or inconsistent. I don't know. I, it, it's hard to describe. I guess it's it's stressful in that each individual zap isn't that bad, but it's the the rhythm the like the sudden subcutaneous heat followed by essentially nothing and then again and then nothing and then again and then nothing and it's like a it's a weird sort of stress thing with the body but yeah this appointment was like twice as long as the last one because uh, as far as the effects of the last one it I mean, it's hard to say. I think there were some spots that were noticeably thinner. I think maybe the hair itself was noticeably thinner, but uh, I couldn't really tell. So this time they went over it, you know, twice over with a little bit stronger setting on the laser. And um, 
I shaved one day before as opposed to two days before, and I even like ran uh, my, over my face with a uh, a beard trimmer the night before, and it was still real bad. And this my the person was like, "Yeah, your hair is still you know, wow, your hair grows real fast, huh? Like, yeah, it fucking does. That's why I want to get rid of it." So I may literally have to like shave, you know, an hour before my laser appointment or like shave with a razor the night before and then trim up with the the razor or a, a beard trimmer after that. But I haven't shaved since that laser appointment and I, I need to, uh, I need to scrub my face, but I'm a little wary about taking a razor to it. I don't know why, there's probably no good reason. This second session was sort of weirdly demoralizing. I guess part of it was just that it it was very uncomfortable. And then, I don't know, just... I guess the way that the person talked talked to me a little bit was sort of like they would have expected more progress at this point. And I don't know how much of that. It's just that they don't have that much experience with somebody who has uh, hair as dark and coarse and fast growing as mine. I don't know. It was beyond that. It was demoralizing because, you know, I, I had two midterms immediately afterwards. And so I was like physically and emotionally drained after that laser appointment. And so I'm pretty sure I didn't bomb either of those tests, but I did have a harder time than I usually do. Uh, it doesn't help that I didn't really study. <laughs> Not that I do that normally anyway. Kind of all day today and all day yesterday, there was just this feeling like, oh, I'm not seeing any progress. Am I like... Is this a waste of money? <laughs> there's now there's all these questions like did I pick the wrong place? I mean I picked the only place basically. Um, and other trans people have gone there and had good results. And I know that it takes multiple sessions and that's the whole fucking point. But it's still like this feeling and it's my my beard hair is is the 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 albatross around my 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 cissexual exterior, I guess I should say. It's this huge barrier between myself and how I see myself, I guess. You know, I've been wearing slimmer fit clothes basically all the time now, uh, and I'm really happy about that, but... Yeah, I'm still a fucking long ways off from anybody looking at me and not seeing a guy. Uh, you know, the sooner I start hormones, the better. And I'm just wishing, you know, wishing I had a way to jump that gun right now. But uh, it's so frustrating that... There isn't a centralized like nexus of local information. 
it seems like this this whole fucking process is so complicated and stupid and stressful and it's the same for everybody so you would think that a handful of trans people would have gotten together by now and said like here's how to do this in Oklahoma like here's what you need here are some recommendations for people to go to that will help you get your letters or whatever here are clinics that are etc 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 there's a chance that I might be able to start in April after all my um my sister asked me to call her sometime soon I mean it's been forever since we actually talked anyway but uh, she suggested that her and her family might be able to help pay for all of the various intakes and things um blood work and stuff it's like the biggest uh biggest barrier is the fact i did not anticipate which is that i would have to get my blood work done somewhere that wasn't the planned parenthood or whatever uh which doesn't really make sense to me but i guess that's how life works i don't know I have been uh, <laughs> considering doing the uh, under-the-shelf option and shopping around in that regard and came close one night when I was just feeling particularly shitty. But, you know, if I already suspect that I have a weird hormonal balance anyway... I really shouldn't be fucking around with, you know, prescription level hormone medications without the supervision of a, of a professional, <sighs> which sucks because I would like to. I guess I'm just generally at this slight demoralized stage where it's again this feeling like I'm, I'm constantly having to keep up this ritual of shaving and plucking and ablating and all of that and it's it's painful it's time consuming I feel like it just sneaks up on me and my body grows this shit so fucking fast and that's just one reason on its face that I would love to start hormones just knowing that it would slow down hair growth and potentially thin it over time and, you know, for all that I've said that, like, one should not expect uh, those results all the time, there's still, like, a part of me that was, like, taking some kind of solace in that. And now that I'm feeling a little bit more cynical, it's like, fuck, nothing's gonna, nothing is going to have that effect. I'm just stuck this way. And there's this feeling like maybe my hair is just too good to for laser and now I'm like, I'm just going to be stuck with this fucking thing for the rest of my life. But that's how it goes, right? It's, it's never, it's never solved. You're never done. There's always different things to stress about. <laughs> and uh, it would be nice to be living in a place where healthcare was not optional not out of pocket <laughs> uh, this country is fucking ridiculous uh, oh we could sigh
So yeah, I recorded that Thursday night, and so that would have been what the fifteenth. I probably said it in that recording. I apologize. I listened to snippets of it before starting this recording, so I'm gonna try to not go over the same territory. But so that was uh, almost a week ago. It is Tuesday, right in the smack dab in the middle of spring break for me, and. I'm still like going back and forth. It's it's weird when you're doing laser hair removal, you're like you're constantly jumping back and forth between holy shit, my my beard really is thinning and fuck, my beard is never going to get thinner. Uh so there are times when I like go into the bathroom and I look at myself and it's like this hair seems way more fine than it used to be. And then there are other times when it's like, God, I, I just shaved like yesterday afternoon and it's already this big. What's going on with me? I'm going to check my levels real quick. What's going on? OK, cool. That's fine. <laughs> but so in the midst of one of those little depressive episodes, I decided to do some research. Hooray! Which is something that one should always do when they feel like there's no options in their current situation, the in the same way that research is what helped me accept that I am transgender, research just is, should always be the answer in so many situations. It solves all problems. Every problem is solved by research. You can take that to the bank. Fuck off with your questions about ethics. Just research it. Just Google it until the question's over. So I did some research and I was looking first. I was just looking at uh, how soon is one supposed to shave after they've done a a laser session. And I found a couple of places that say you should wait at least 10 days to shave, which seems ludicrous to me because... Well, you know, I'm doing laser because I want to reduce the sort of dysphoria that I feel as a result of having a beard. So letting it grow that long, like even just letting it grow for a couple days after was like really depressing to me. That's probably a big part of why I was feeling so shitty when I made that recording. But uh, I I then looked around and found some other things where it's like actual licensed uh, laser people, dermatologists, I don't fucking know, say as long as your skin isn't irritated, you can shave like within a couple hours and it's fine. So this is another one of those situations where there are differing information dumps in different places. So as always, one should diversify. But I looked at particularly the effectiveness of laser hair removal in terms of a short time span, like how soon should one expect to see results. And I found a a series of tables that describe the average growth rates for different body areas of hair and the, the growth cycles. So the reason why I should have gone into this in my laser hair removal episode, the reason why you have to go four weeks between a minimum of four weeks between laser sessions is that hair growth goes on a cycle. So there's three, three basic cycles 
where I, I don't have them in front of me, but basically there's you there. I guess they're comparable to birth, life and death. Uh, I think one is like growing. One is expanding and the other is shedding. I don't know. Don't take my word as gospel for this. You do your own research. But basically the point is that different all of your hair is on a different part of that cycle. So the idea is you want to catch everything on the growth cycle when the core of the hair is exposed and still young, I guess. Because it doesn't have the same effect when the hair is already sort of finished growing, because at that point there is a new hair growing underneath that won't get hit by the laser, and that's the only way that it's effective. So the growth rates for different parts of the hair are like some are four or six weeks. I found one table that said that the growth the 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 the, the complete cycle on the face is ten weeks. So I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if that's what that what that necessarily means, but that does sort of line up with the fact that when I've looked at progress pictures of people with similar facial hair density to me, they have uh, in their first two sessions, it's like the 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 difference is extraordinarily minimal, and then after they've had their third session third and fourth, it's suddenly like, whoa, what a huge difference. So that would line up with the 10-week thing. So maybe when I have my next session in April, there will be a huge drop-off. I don't know. But also in that same article, I found a list of timelines for different areas of the body to how soon one should expect to see effective changes in growth and thickness and all of that. And they say that the minimum is 10 days. So the fact that it's like almost a week since my second laser appointment and it was, you know, it was twice as long and my person really was trying to make sure that we actually saw some results from this one. And the fact that I'm still like not sure if it's had any effect just seeing somewhere that, you know, it's it's like it takes like 10 days at minimum for one to see any real effects. That's heartening to me that at least holds off my, you know, ridiculous self-doubts and fears and like, fuck, it's never I'm never going to get fixed. I'm just going to, you know, that that crap. So it's yeah. It definitely looks like it's thinner. I don't know, but one won't really be able to tell until everything has shed and the next cycle starts and it's what's growing is the stuff that got zapped. So there you go. Like everything else with transition, the change happens slowly over time. So when you're checking the mirror every single day, you don't see a difference. And then eventually one day you wake up and you're like, oh, shit. Wow. That's, uh, huh. That's me, huh? Wow. Damn. When did I become a person that I like to look at? Hopefully that happens for me in the near future. I don't know. But so that's that. I feel a little bit better about the laser thing. 
I still wish it wasn't so omnipresent, but again, that just takes time. I still got two more sessions that I paid for, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be enough that I'll uh, I won't have to. I'm planning to go to Italy in July to study abroad. So it worked out well with the timing of when I decided to pay for my laser sessions because my last one will be May. So I would if if I'd done much much later, uh, there would have to be like a two month long break in between. So yeah, if uh, if it's still not quite as effective, you know, I'll have two months to let it grow and then. I can start up again in August. Although there's a chance that my my study abroad program that I applied to may get canceled because not enough people have RSVP'd or whatever, whatever the term would be for that, which would suck because this is like the only opportunity I'm going to have for a long time to, to see anywhere that isn't the United States. I've never been out of the country, so... Moving on to the, I guess, the marquee subject of today's episode which is making friends and maybe maybe i shouldn't be like talking about this as if it's something that i know shit about because i'm terrible at making friends i just sort of fall into groups of people and they decide to adopt me that's sort of how it goes everybody that i've ever like gotten really close to pretty much just says, yeah. So when I first met you, I thought you were like this pretentious asshole who was trying to impress us with all of this shit, you know? And then one day I realized, Oh, you actually mean it. And then it becomes kind of endearing. And then, you know, we're just friends now. (laughs) So that's always kind of a fun thing to hear. Like, Oh, so you thought I was an asshole. That's good, but whatever. But I'm I'm not good at, at socializing. But so I'm in a position right now where I had been uh, over a year ago now planning to move out to California with my roommates. I was hoping to finally graduate from college this July or June, whenever the last day of school is, whatever. However, due to nonsense... I have one more class that I have to take, and it's only offered in the fall 2018 semester. So my roommates are moving out to California, no matter what. And this sort of brought some things to a head with me because they all have a pretty strict plan and like reason to go to California. And I don't beyond the fact that I I would like to live in California. And there's a part of me that would like to try to become a, a TV writer. I think that's a job that would suit me well. But I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Not that anyone's ever ready for that. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make my own sort of creative bullshit work. I'm not, I should, there's, that's a whole thing. But the point is, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling moving to Oklahoma or sorry, moving to California. I live in Oklahoma and I do want to get out of Oklahoma because this place is a fucking graveyard, but you know, all my family's around here. My brother's family is in Kansas. I don't want to, I don't want to be so far. I I don't see them enough as it is. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to, 
leave them all behind. And I have a, I have a thing about family. If you if you've listened to earlier episodes of this podcast, you probably know. In fact, I've probably covered some uh, uh, ground that I've already covered. I feel like that's just going to be a thing with this podcast where longtime listeners are eventually just going to be like, wow. So this is just the same episode that we heard like two years ago. That's fun. But so, you know, my roommates are moving out to California in July and they're kind of the last friends that I have here. There's one other person that lives here that I spend a lot of time with. And other than that, there are people that I know, but there aren't really like friends, people that I hang out with. And especially since coming out, I've really wanted to have other friends who are trans, non-binary, etc. To just like commiserate with and 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 talk to and feel emotions with and to and so i have been trying to go to events where people gather to try to make friends so the first one i went to was a i got an email from the school like just they have they just have like a list serve where different groups just send out random emails to people. And I got one from somebody trying to start a club on campus for LGBT non-traditional students. So non-traditional in this context means students who are older, students who are who just don't fit the mold of the typical sort of like early early 20s or even like 19 not yeah like before 21 uh generally white generally middle class sort of like uh frat sorority type person who's has a bunch of clubs that are already directed at them so i as a 28 now almost 29 year old person doing finishing my undergrad have a hard time finding people to uh, hang out with and like clubs to go to because I feel enormously out of place. I have a hard time. There's, there is just, I, I was talking to my friend last night about this where he's like, Oh, you just, you know, talk to people and make friends and, you know, people will surprise you with how mature they are. And that's true. Uh, there are, there are a lot of people who are a lot younger than me who I've uh, been surprised by and I'm not, not opposed to making friends with younger people, obviously. But in general, I've kind of always been more mature than my age. I mean, I've I've had pretty severe depression basically my entire life. And I now know that that's because I was undiagnosed bipolar 2 and undiagnosed transgender. So lots of shit was going on with me. And then like... You know, my mom died when I was 19 and I lived on my own for a long time after that. Uh, I was forced to grow up really real fast. And a lot of my humor was sapped out of me by just kind of a shitty life for a hot minute. So a lot of the stuff that young people do and enjoy kind of just annoy me and they shouldn't. There, there are like demonstrations of joy that that like I particularly associate this with like serious anime fans and furries that really annoy me, <laughs> which is not to say that I dislike either group. I love both, but 
uh, I'm judgmental in ways that I'm not proud of in that regard. So that just makes it hard. But there's also just like when when your biggest worry is my parents are not going to approve of my desire to be a art major or my desire to have homosexual relationships or my desire to become a woman. I I completely understand that as a stressor. And that's like, that's rough. That sucks. I get it. But I cannot relate. Like that's so beyond the spectrum of my worries and just, I mean, even even when I was 19, that would have been beyond the scope, the scope of my worries. So it's not like me being 28 is what's holding me back there. But yeah, there is just like a general, a, a big maturity gap between early 20s and late 20s. And I feel like that's sort of the last big jump beyond just the fact that after a certain point, people have careers and those folks tend to be on a different level than people in my position who are sort of flailing wildly. But that's less to do with age than it has to do with experience. But anyway, yeah, God, so much of a tangent. Anyway, uh, I was really excited about this non-traditional student LGBT thing because it hits two big things for me is finding people who are hypothetically my age and also people who are not like who 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 are LGBT, you know, fall into that category. Because I've been to a couple meetings of the campus LGBT community, and it's a bunch of young people. It's really clicky and kind of I don't know. There was there were some issues. I actually talked to somebody recently, and they told me that the that club is currently like on probation because of some really shitty practices that they were doing. And the club actually has a long history of uh, uh, getting in trouble with the campus. So that all that all kind of tracks. But so I was really looking forward to this particular meeting, obviously. And I went and like four other people showed up and it was real awkward. It was it was it was kind of it was pretty disappointing. I did make friends with one person like there was one person who we we were just we were on the same wavelength and like after the meeting was over we went and talked and we happened to be we happened to have to take the same bus to our homes so we sat on the bus and chatted for a while and that was cool i haven't talked to that person since then i need to find them on facebook or something and that was cool that was that that's a that was a good result from that but I was, I'm really trying, hoping to find like a community of some sort, and that's been hard to find here. I have a general frustration. This is another tangent. I'm sorry. This is something that I've come up against a lot here that consistently surprises me. So I'm not the first trans person to like be in this town and go, okay. How do I start hormone replacement therapy here? Who do I talk to? Where do I go? What are places that are friendly? How do I start laser hair removal? What places are friendly? What about vocal coaching? What about etc. Cetera, etc.? Cetera? I am not the first person here to go through this. But I can't fucking find anywhere a collection of information that is just like 
an Excel document that says, yes, here, no, there. Yes, this person's good. No, this person's bad. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a normal thing. It just seems like that that's a really important resource to have. And I've been trying to find like trans specific groups. And it doesn't even have to be a group that meets consistently in, in, in person because I get it. Like being trans is kind of a dangerous thing, especially here in Oklahoma. Not so much in this town because it's a college town. Everybody's pretty accepting. I haven't seen much like hate around here. And if it, if there is, it's like, it's the, 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 I don't want to say harmless, but they, the, just the kind of like, you know, lazy, like, Hey, fuck you, you queer. And it's like, whatever, man. Like I haven't experienced any of that here. Uh, there will occasionally be like a preacher who shows up on campus who's like talking about how evolution is wrong and the gays are destroying America or whatever. But when that person shows up, like half of the people who walk by crowd around and like shout him down. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I just the lack of like a. a, a, a a, a database of knowledge is really frustrating to me. At this point in 2018, I shouldn't be stuck in this position of having to do hours of research, you know, combing through stuff that some information that's decades old and completely out of date and just having to like hope that this information is correct. And like, fuck, calling one, a local women's center that that has uh, transgender services. I sort of checking their website for forever. And I, it was my go-to choice because on their website, they have forms for informed consent, which if you don't know what informed consent is. It's basically generally with, with doing HRT, you are expected to go through these gatekeepers of the psychologist, psychiatrist, you meet with them a couple of times and they give you a referral letter that says, yes, you are transgender. You need HRT. So I'm in a lucky position where I already have psychologist, psychiatrist through my university who are way the fuck on board with me getting HRT. So that particular gate is not a difficult one for me to jump over. It's just having to do it, which is, is frustrating. Uh, you know, I'm a millennial. I don't like to talk to people, uh, but that, that is something that I'll, I guess I'll have to do, but I was going to do the informed consent thing. Cause it's just like, fuck, I just don't, I won't have to deal with it. That's much better. So they have these informed consent forms and they talk about it on their website. So I called the place. I know I talked about this before on the podcast, but I called the place. And the first thing I said was, hey, so I understand that you do informed consent. And the person I was talking to said, I don't understand what you mean by informed consent. And that immediately, like, it was so disheartening because it's like, okay, so not only is the website either wrong or out of date or for the wrong place, but this person who is supposed to be like, the liaison, the person who you call. And like, this is a place that does abortions. This is a place that does all kinds of women's care. It's supposed to be a sensitive thing. And it felt very gruff, this conversation. And I don't want to say like mean or whatever. I understand. It doesn't matter. But it was it was disheartening. And beyond that, just the fact that this person who is supposed to be in this position of knowing shit doesn't know one of the most basic things 
about like it, it, it's one of two ways to get HRT in the U.S. And it's not, you know, common. And maybe it's against the law here in Oklahoma. I don't know. I haven't been able to fucking find out. I've looked. Maybe I haven't looked hard enough. I don't know. I Just the fact that all this information is just so fucking obscure and opaque. I don't understand how there's not just some something. I don't know. Some kind of database. Maybe that's too easy to manipulate. I don't know. There's probably privacy concerns. But anyway, that's part of why I've been wanting to try to find a community, because they'll have gone through it by now. They'll know where to go, who to talk to, what places are good, whatever. But so that that first meeting was kind of a bust. Um, there probably wasn't enough people there to actually have like a, a, a group, but they started a Facebook group. So we're keeping in touch and that might become a thing and there might be more people. Who knows? But there was another thing that happened last night. There was a so there's a uh, a board game cafe here in town that is fucking awesome where they just have basically every board and card game in there. They have a section there you can buy stuff, but they also have just a huge, huge, huge library and just a shit ton of tables and you pay five bucks and you can just play board games there all day. It's rad as hell. They make coffee there. They have uh, restaurants that they've partnered with that you can order food. It's it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. So they also hold events there all the time. And last night, they had a trans-friendly board game night. And I got really excited for that. So I went. And it was almost the opposite problem of the non-traditional student thing where there were too many people. It was it was so packed. And I've since learned that part of the reason for that was that it's it was Monday night, Monday of spring break. So a lot of people were already there. So that was kind of an issue. But everybody was sort of in their own closed groups and a lot of people were fucking playing D&D which was really disheartening because you can't just walk up to somebody playing D&D and say, "Hey, can I join?" Like that's not how that's not how that works. And like if I, I and I don't even like D&D that much, so I couldn't just like sit down and like watch. I'd get bored and like whatever. And everybody else was playing like somebody was playing the um uh Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game. I haven't played it, but it, it looks really cool. It's there. It, it's a game that goes in a fa- phases based on each book. So the, the game increases in complexity and it has like a separate box for each book with different pieces that add complexity to the game. It, I love I love modular games like that. But, you know, they were just like they were in like round two or three. It, it, that game can last like three or four hours. You can't jump into that. So. I just I went there with a friend and really we found two he knew somebody there who was his boss at work and they were playing D&D with friends and they just happened to have been there. So we sat at the two chairs that were still available at that table and I just went and found board games that I knew that were good for two players 
and taught him to them, uh, taught them to him. So we played Blockus, we played Five Tribes, which was a tough teach because that game is really simple, but holy hell, setting it up is complicated and like explaining the rules is complicated. Um, we also played, fuck, what? Oh, we played Sorrow. That was, that's a, that's another good game. Anyway, I didn't learn any new games. I taught games that I already knew. And I didn't meet anybody. I really wanted to meet people. I was, I, and there were so many people there that I was like, oh, that looks like a cool person. Look at all these cool people. And I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to like make friends. But I'm a millennial. I don't like to talk to people. And so it was fun. I, I, I had a great time like playing board games. I love playing board games. It's a lot of fun. But then it was over and my friend and I left. And, you know, as I was packing up that game, I just felt like this overwhelming, like, disappointment. And I almost started crying, like, getting to his car because I was really looking forward to that because I thought, you know, okay, we're going to I'm going to I'm going to meet people. We're going to chat. We're going to bond over board games. It's the perfect situation for that. And it didn't happen. Everybody was in their own close knit groups. I stayed with a person that I know, played games that I know. It might have just been any other night for 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 going to that place. Uh, and man, uh, I don't know. Afterwards, I realized like, why didn't I just go up and talk to people? Like, why didn't I walk up to a group and said, "Hey, can I join in on the next round of this game? Can I become a part of your group? Because I need to make friends. Hello, hi, yes, hello." Why didn't I do that? It would have been so easy. It was it's like this is, this is an acceptable situation to do that. It's an expected situation for that. And I didn't do that because I was too afraid. <sighs> like I'm never going to make more friends if I can't talk to people, if I'm not going to be a little bit bold and a little bit of an asshole and like put myself in these situations. It's like I've, I've kicked back up my OkCupid profile and like not even trying to date, just trying to fucking meet people to talk with. And there are a couple of people that I've had like their page open. And it's like, I want to message them, but I don't want to be an asshole because I don't want to bother people. I have my friend Emily on Twitter. She's constantly saying, I don't want to bother you with this. It's like, no, you're not bothering me. We're friends. And I should take that advice to heart, but I, I don't. Always, always more critical of myself than I am of other people. One should take their own advice. Generally, when you're giving advice, you're giving advice that you yourself need to hear. But I don't want to say that there weren't good things that happened last night. So one of the cool things is that uh, they had name tags that you could fill out. So, you know, put your name and your preferred pronouns. And I paused for a long time. Like, do I put Sarah, she, her? I that's that's a that's a thing that I'm still struggling with because, you know, again, like until my beard stops being so noticeable, I just feel weird like that going like that. So after a little bit of a, a crisis, I went with my dead name and whatever, put my name tag on, went around and I like, uh, you know, I shaved. I got ready for this. I wore cute clothes. I had a little bit of a crisis about what shirt I should wear. I realize now I definitely should have worn a Homestuck shirt. I had one. I have a couple of Homestuck shirts and I'm always surprised wearing those around campus because almost always there's like one person who's like <gasps> Homestuck. And I'm like, yes, Homestuck. And we we uh, bond over that. But 
the uh, instead I went with a uh, AGDQ shirt, which Awesome Games done quick. It's a speed run conference. It goes twice a year. Um, and so I think that was the wrong move because more people probably would have been into Homestuck than AGDQ, but the AGDQ shirt felt appropriate and it matched a little bit better with my pants and shoes and whatever. But so the, one of the people who worked there recognized AGDQ. <laughs> um, but there was a point where I was wearing my pink, um, cap, my uh, beanie. I have a couple of beanies that I wear. I basically don't go anywhere without some kind of headwear these days because my hair's my my my, my hair's thinning real bad, and I feel embarrassed about it. But as I was walking to put a game away, uh, a couple stopped me and was like, "Oh, hey, your your hat's really cute." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." And they sort of looked at me for a second, and they're like, turned to their partner, like, "Hey, doesn't she have?" She stopped. It's like, "I'm sorry, pronouns." And I was just sort of blown away for a second because it's the first time somebody called me she in public. And that to me was like, I wasn't even trying to pass. And I don't think I did. But I mean, I was wearing more feminine fitting clothes, I guess. It's just like it, it, it was sort of a flabbergasting moment. But she said she said, like, I'm sorry, what are your pronouns? And I sort of like was staring, like blinking. And I'm like, uh, uh. You, you got it because, <laughs> uh, you know, I would never say I'm, a, I'm not at a point where I would say my pronouns are she, her in public. But this person, you know, just assuming that was like, oh, fuck. Oh, God, is this what it feels like? Oh, man, that was cool. And they were like, hey, don't you guys have the same glasses at home? Uh, 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 turning to her partner and saying, don't you have the same glasses uh, as, as mine? And we looked at him like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And her partner was like, well, you've got nice glasses. And I'm like, well, thank you. We both have good taste. And I gave a thumbs up. And then they were they were on their way out. And so my friend pointed out, like, you should have talked to them more. And I'm like, fuck, yes. Why didn't I do that? That was a connection. That was that was that was a moment. But I could tell that they were on their way out and I don't want to be an asshole. I wanted, you know, I didn't want to hold them there. So, you know, I walked and put the board game away and uh you know that sort of thing so what's the takeaway from all this it's not enough to just want to make friends <laughs> it takes work that's why i've always hated dating and like trying to make friends because i hate i, I suck at i suck at it same reason i hate making resumes i don't like summarizing myself and like making a short edible little package uh that's like here are the six fundamental things about me for why i deserve a moment of your time because i just like i'm i'm lazy that's what it is i'm lazy and i like things to happen organically and i just i really hate simplified categorization of self it just kills me just nonsense i should just get over it because that's how society works fuck society it's not my fault but anyway one needs to work to make friends and so my my next actionable goal is to find more facebook groups i'm a member member of one already and i'm gonna actually like try to send messages there and like whatever it's a lot easier for me to talk to people online i'm much more 
expressive. I grew up on forums and on AOL message message uh, uh, chat clients and stuff like that. So uh, that's 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 my jam, and I should be taking advantage of that. Just trying to be part of more online communities, I guess. It's just hard, man. And these places are so fucking insular. I'm part of one Discord that I haven't touched in a long time, and it's like, no matter how good it starts, eventually a click emerges, and there's some sort of like prevailing political perspective that just absorbs everything, and it becomes like, if you think that fucking anything against whatever I believe, then you're trash and you don't deserve to be here. I'm thinking of a particular example, but I don't want to say it and give anybody away, but it's just frustrating trying to find groups because we're so tribal. I don't know, man. I wish I had a a better, like fun way to end the show, like a, a higher note, but it's just sort of like, keep on trucking. I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm uh, I'm enjoying my spring break. I did release that first Twin Peaks video. It's out. Uh, if you want to find it, go to patreon.com slash LTAS. Uh, it should be like one of the first few posts that are in my posts. Alternatively, it's the first video listed in my uh, uh, campaign description. You don't have to give me money. You can just go watch it. Uh, it's called Twin Peaks... Uh, what did, what did I title it? Uh, Twin Peaks Influence, Conception, and The Pilot. So I don't want to talk about it for too long, so we're already getting a little bit long, but even if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, please go watch this video. I only talk about The Pilot, the very first episode. So there's no spoilers for the series as a whole. There's some general suggestions about things that might happen in the future, but if you don't know what they are, they'll go right over your head. Mostly the video is about the general timeline of release of everything related to Twin Peaks. It's sort of a a broad overview of, of kind of its cultural impact. And then also how the show came about sort of David Lynch and Mark Frost's partnership and the network situation that allowed it to come into existence. I talk a lot about soap operas and how they're kind of unfairly maligned and lots of stuff like that. And it's also the first chapter in a story that I'm trying to tell. It's kind of parallel to the the points I'm trying to make about Twin Peaks. I've worked so hard on this series and this first video I'm so proud of. It's easily the best thing I've ever done. And I'm so excited for the future of this series. And I just want people to watch it. And I I wish I wish Twin Peaks wasn't one of those topics that's like either people give a shit or they just completely don't. It's not one of those things that like generally a person will sort of randomly click on. So I'm trying to make the point that like this first video, you really don't need to have seen Twin Peaks to watch it and enjoy it. Because hopefully, like, my hope is that watching it will encourage somebody to want to get into Twin Peaks. So please go watch that. Share it with your friends if you feel compelled, because a lot of work went into that. It's 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 the the culmination of a lot of ambition. And frankly, it's the first step on a long road that will allow me to finally shut the fuck up about Twin Peaks, which we all want, I'm assuming. (laughs) But otherwise, like. It's my spring break. I'm trying to catch up on stuff. I'm trying to 
go see some movies, you know, I need to see Black Panther, I need to see A Wrinkle in Time. I wanted to see Annihilation, but my mo- local theater only shows it like at 1045 at night f- for the rest of the week. And I don't have a way to get there that late. Like I have a, there, there are buses that go to the theater, but they stop running at nine. So that shit ain't working. It's on, it's way, it's on the other side of the highway from where I live. So like that would, that I couldn't just like hoof it. My bike's been broken for like a year and a half. But yeah, I'm trying to relax. I've got a, we've got a piano test the first Monday after spring break and I need to just study for it and just like do my parts, but I'm just, I'm nervous about it. I wish I didn't have to deal with that because it's like a little background radiation of worry, but I should, I should work on that. I don't know. So it's not all bad. I'm going to try to get caught up on stuff. I may watch, let me finally watch season two of Stranger Things. I don't know. Who knows, man. I may play with my Amiibo that I got. I have Amiibo. Ah, oh, boy. I've got some fun plans for shit. Uh, whatever. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm sorry this one was was kind of middling in terms of optimism or cynicism. (laughs) But um, as always, if you have any questions or stories that you want to share, anything at all, anything at all, please email me, transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me a recording of you, ranting about your parents and how they won't accept you for being non-binary or just just fucking anything related to trans or nb or whatever stuff you know send me a story and i'll read it send me an audio clip whatever send me questions send me whatever and i'll i want more perspectives on this show and having somebody to spin off of for me it would make things a little bit easier so yeah transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com i'm also on twitter at HMS No Fun. And as I said before, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash LTAS. It's basically a subscription service where you can pledge a certain amount of money per month to help support me in doing creative things. So generally that Patreon is geared towards my videos. That's sort of my big focus in terms of like research and effort. So that's why it's called LTAS because it's short for Let's Talk About Stuff. But I also post about the podcast and generally just your money helps me survive and helps me keep up with this stuff because it feels like I'm doing it for a reason. And you don't even need to give me money. You can just follow it and get updates about stuff. It's just a good way to keep in touch and 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 show me some support. And even just as much as like a dollar a month really, really, really helps. That's where like the majority of, of people's funds come from. So anyway, the cover art for this show is by Emily Bumgarner. The music you've heard is by Insane in the Rain Music. All sorts of links are in the description, and you can, if they're not on whatever uh, podcast hosting site that you use, you can go to, I think it's transquestioning at podbean.com, or it's podbean.transquestioning. Let me check that real quick. Hold on a second. Yes, it is transquestioning.podbean.com. That's my hosting service for the podcast. And you can find every episode there and all of the links are annotated there if they're not annotated anywhere else. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. 
I hope that you have a pleasant week. If it's your spring break, man, I guess it won't be because this goes up after spring break. I hope you had a good spring break if you had one. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great couple weeks. I'll see you again in the near future. See ya later. Nailed it.